Morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and it's Friday, March 31st. On this date in 1968, at the end of a nationally broadcast speech on the Vietnam War, President Lyndon Johnson had a surprise for the nation. He announced, I shall not speak, and I will not accept the nomination of my party for another term as your president. Richard Nixon would win the presidency that year. And born on this date in 1927, actor William Daniels from St. Elsewhere. But you might know the actor from his voice work on an 80s series about a famous crime-fighting car. Do you remember the show? I'll have that answer in just a few minutes. But first, let's see how the weather is looking for your Friday and those weekend plans over at the Live 5 First Alert Weather Desk. All right, good Friday morning to you. Meteorologist Joey Sovine here. We're starting out with temperatures this morning. The 40s and 50s, not as chilly as yesterday. Morning will be warmer this afternoon. Also breezy, highs near 80 degrees, partly cloudy sky. There will be a small chance of a shower, especially near the coast. Most of you will stay dry. Tomorrow, better rain chance coming our way late in the afternoon and into the evening. Drive for the bridge run tomorrow morning, 83 by the afternoon after starting out. I think for most of you in the 60s will be 75 beautiful on Sunday and a small chance of rain heads our way early next week. You're listening to Morning Y'all, your local headlines and first alert weather forecast powered by the Low Country's news leader, Live 5 News. Now, let's get to your morning headlines. A low country woman and two minors have been charged in a Goose Creek attack on a child. Goose Creek police say 29-year-old Christina Oaks is facing several charges, including criminal conspiracy. Officers say both minors are charged with third-degree assault and battery by mob, criminal conspiracy, and kidnapping. Now, the charges, they stem from an investigation at a home in the Greenview Acres subdivision back on March 9th. Investigators say they have determined that Oaks drove the two youths to the home for the sole purpose of assaulting another child and recording it for social media purposes. In Georgetown County, one person is hurt and one is in custody after a stabbing. Georgetown County deputies say it happened at a home on Indian Hut Road near Andrews. Information is still very limited at this time, but we will update you just as soon as we know more. An Orangeburg jury has found 43-year-old Kareem Wallace guilty of unlawful neglect of a child. The solicitor's office says the incident happened back in August of 2018. They say Wallace's girlfriend left him at home with their three-month-old baby. She says she later came, to, came home to her child crying with a limp arm. Medical staff determined that the infant had a fracture in one arm, a broken collarbone, and two fractures in one leg. They say the injuries were indicative of child abuse. The judge sentenced Wallace to six years. The Charleston County Sheriff's Office is looking to set the record straight regarding issues at the Charleston County Jail. Yesterday, the Sheriff's Office released hundreds of pages of documents containing communications between the Sheriff's Office staff and the Charleston County Procurement Office and the jail's current medical provider, WellPath. The release comes amid outside pressure and calls for investigations after several inmate deaths at the facility. In a letter yesterday, the sheriff's office said this gives them an opportunity to, quote, present an unfiltered picture of what was being uh, what was happening behind the scenes. The sheriff's office also says that they have struggled to get WellPath to carry out its contracted roles. WellPath's contract is up later this year. Last night, the Charleston County Finance Committee met to discuss 
potential new vendors for the jail. That meeting, however, happened in executive session, so it's not immediately known if a decision was made. In direct response to recent inmate deaths, Representative Nancy Mace is calling for the Department of Justice to investigate the jail. She's joining several other community leaders like Charleston County Council members and State Representative Marvin Pendarvis. Mace took a tour of the facility on Monday, during which she pointed out mental health concerns for inmates. In Mace's letter, she points out three deaths connected with the facility, Julian Jenkins, Jamal Sutherland, and D'Angelo Brown, whose death was recently ruled a homicide by the Charleston County coroner. Mace says an investigation will help restore the public's trust in the jail. And a big win for the Somerville chapter of the NAACP yesterday. The Somerville Town Council unanimously approved a redistricting plan offered by the civil rights group. Our Molly McBride spoke to the NAACP and says, uh, tells us why yesterday's victory was so important to them. Somerville NAACP spokesperson Felisa Geddes tells me equal representation is extremely important and the plan they put forward will help ensure that. Geddes tells me people are not always aware of what's going on in local government, especially with all the growth in Dorchester and Berkeley counties. She says to have someone on town council representing their community and bringing back information is critical. She tells me information is power. It's so important no matter who you are. So you can look at it from the aspect or the perspective of minorities wanting this or the NAACP wanting it, but it is actually what all people want. According to the town's documents, the previous districts last updated in 2012 were outdated and unequal. Since 2010, the population of Somerville has grown by nearly 10,000 people. The town says the new single-member districts, which are based on data from the 2020 census, will provide equal representation on the town council. After the redistricting map passed unanimously, Councilmember William McIntosh said he was proud of the way the town handled the process. For more information about the new districts, you can head over to live5news.com and click under this web story. In Somerville, Molly McBride, Live 5 News. Officials with Dorchester County are promoting industrial growth despite some concerns from community members. The county has requested uh, to rezone more than 360 acres of residential land to industrial in the Sugar Hill area off Highway 78 in St. George. Neighbors say they've never been told what is going to go there. The county says although they don't have specifics on what companies are coming, they want a rezoning to happen in order to increase jobs and economic growth for the future. Neighbors say they don't want their home to change from what they've always known it to be. 46th Cooper River Bridge Run kicks off tomorrow, and today runners and walkers can attend the Health and Wellness Expo. Our Samantha Popovics joins us live in North Charleston, where the second day of the expo is happening in just a few hours. Samantha, what can runners expect at the expo today? Good morning. From 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. today, for those participating in any of the races tomorrow, you can pick up your race number, race shirt, as well as shop around at vendors. Today's expo is happening at the Charleston Area Convention Center in North Charleston. This is where you'll be able to pick up your day packet and race shirt with your race bib, event info, and more. 
When you come to the expo, you'll see nearly 200 vendor booths with free giveaways, nutrition information, and fitness demonstrations. According to Cooper Bridge Run Director Irv Batten, this is the third largest 10K run in the United States, and this year they are expecting a little over 27,000 participants. The race starts at Coleman Boulevard near Moultrie's Middle School and finishes at the TD Arena in Charleston. After the race, there will be a finished festival at Marion Square, which features live music and vendors and where the awards will be given out. At 7.25 a.m., the elite wheelchair race will begin, and at 8 a.m., the run walk will begin. According to Cooper River Bridge Run, this weekend in the past had generated $33 million through hospitality and tourism and local business entities. Ban says this year's expo has vendors ranging from food and beverages to last-minute running essentials. And you get your race number, you'll get your race shirt, and then there's a bunch of goodies and uh, vendors in the, in the middle for you to go around and, and check out. New brand new shoes, running apparel, other events, all kinds of things. If you plan on running in the 46th annual Bridge Run tomorrow, it's important that you pick up your race day packet today at the Expo. You will not be able to pick up your packet tomorrow before the race. Reporting live in North Charleston, Samantha Popovics, Live 5 News. Well, as runners and walkers make their way from Mount Pleasant to downtown Charleston, the Cooper River Bridge Run will close many streets along the path. The race is set for tomorrow at 8 in the morning, but roads will start closing well in advance. Some of the big ones to keep an eye out on, Calhoun Street, Meeting Street, Coleman Boulevard, and of course the Ravenel Bridge itself will be closed to traffic at certain points along the race. Now, most roads should be open by noon tomorrow, but traffic around the finish line and Marion Square may be delayed until the work crews can ensure all of the debris has been cleaned up. A familiar name is kicking off uh, his campaign for mayor. Current city of Charleston Mayor John Tecklenburg officially launched his re-election campaign last night. Tecklenburg has served as Charleston's mayor since 2016. Now, Tecklenburg's not the only person to declare for the Charleston mayoral election. Councilmember Peter Shayed, former state representative William Cogswell, and Clay Middleton have all thrown their hats into the ring as well. A former Confederate Civil War fort on James Island is set to become a public park. Park officials say they spent over $6 million to buy the site after seeing the opportunity to give the public waterfront access and views of amazing sunsets. After the pandemic delayed initial efforts, officials say they are close to starting work to open the park up to the public. The park will have walking trails and access to the Stono River for kayaking and fishing. They, uh, the city says that there will be community meetings to get feedback on the project over the next couple of months with plans to open the, public, uh, open the park to the public early next year. And next time you head to the beach, you're going to want to watch where you're stepping. State wildlife officials have officially documented the first shorebird nest of the season. Now, close to a dozen seabird and shorebird species tend to nest on the state's beaches and islands. Nesting season usually runs from March 15th until October 16th. Wildlife officials want to remind the community to give nesting birds some space as the species of coastal birds has declined by 70% over just the last 40 years. Some tips for visiting area beaches include avoid roped off nesting areas, leave only footprints, and walk around the birds instead of walking through them. 
The finalists for the 2023 Choir Showcase have been chosen. The nine finalists, they'll perform at the Choir Showcase event finale with top gospel artists at the North Charleston Performing Arts Center on Sunday, May 14th. The legendary Clark Sisters will headline this year's Choir Showcase. Special performances will begin on the main stage at 6.15 and, the, uh, and begin at 6.30. We've got a link to tickets on our website. Just go to live5news.com and click on the big red box. All right, if you love strawberries like I do or just some good weekend fun, head out to Boone Hall. The Low Country Strawberry Festival starts today with rides, games, food, drinks, and, of course, strawberries. Emily Johnson was at the festival and tells us what to expect if you want to join in on the fun. For the 27th annual Low Country Strawberry Festival here at Boone Hall Plantation, there's actually 10 acres of strawberries that you're allowed to hand pick and throw into a basket to pay for by the pound. The festival also has over 20 thrill rides, petting zoo, magic shows, contests, and lots of festival foods. New this year, the Rock and Circus stunt show will feature acrobatics, juggling, and a 65-foot high dive. The strawberry fields are planted back in October, so there's enough strawberries for everyone to choose from. If you want to come pick a basket for yourself this weekend, they are open Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And next weekend, they are open Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Reporting in Mount Pleasant, Emily Johnson, Live 5 News. So, well, the Flower Town Festival in Somerville is back and bigger than ever this year. Organizers tell us they are thrilled to be celebrating the 50th anniversary of the event, which raises money for the Somerville Family YMCA. Live 5's Katie Cammon joins us from Main Street in Somerville, where the festivities are kicking off in just a few hours. Katie, what will festival goers get to enjoy over the next few days? Good morning, Nick. Well, if you are one of the more than 200,000 people that will flood the streets of Somerville this weekend for the Flower Town Festival, you'll get to enjoy everything from food to flowers to arts and crafts and more. And this outdoor extravaganza is all for a good cause as well. Now, the dozens and dozens, even hundreds of vendors that have been here, they've been preparing for the festival, setting up their tents and organizing all of their wares in the streets surrounding the beautiful Azalea Park. There are even 200 jury-selected artists from across the country here displaying and selling their work. Organizers say this is the Somerville Family YMCA's largest fundraiser. They tell me every dollar raised goes back into the community for health and wellness programs, swim lessons, summer camp, diabetes prevention, and much more. According to organizers, the very first Flower Town Festival was held all the way back in 1973 when a small group of women put on a small arts and crafts festival. And it's grown to what we know today. And since it's a special anniversary of the event, there are some special festivities. We wanted to bring back as many of the traditions as possible. What we haven't done in about 10 years is have an entertainment stage filled with youth, filled with adults who want to perform completely free. We have an open mic. We have all these different options for people in Somerville. We have a lot of schools coming out with theater groups, bands, dance groups. We also will have a handful of commemorative items such as tumblers, pins, everything celebrating the 50th. The Flower Town Festival in Somerville will be today and tomorrow from 9 a.m. until 6 p.m. And on Sunday from 9 until 4, it is free and parking is first come, first served. Live in Somerville, Katie Kamen, Live 5 News. We hope it's a happy 96th birthday for actor William Daniels. At the top of the show, I mentioned he voiced a crime-fighting car back in the 80s. 
Yes, he was the voice of Kit, the Pontiac Trans Am. Also celebrating birthdays this Friday, actor Richard Chamberlain is 89. Actress Shirley Jones is also 89. Jazz musician Herb Alpert is 88. Actor Christopher Walken is 80. Former Vice President Al Gore is 76. And actor Ewan McGregor is 52. That'll wrap it up for another week. Thank you for joining us for Morning Y'all, powered by Live 5 News. I hope you have a great Friday and a great weekend. I'm Katie Kamen. I'll talk to you Monday. Thanks for listening to Morning Y'all, produced every weekday morning. You can listen and subscribe at live5news.com slash podcast. And download the Live 5 News app for your mobile device. Get the latest news and weather updates 24-7 from Live 5 News, the Low Country's news leader.